Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson, live from Cincinnati. Well, actually, Bellevue, Kentucky, right across the river from Cincinnati. Uh, it's just going to be me this week. Andre's feeling a little under the weather, so I'm flying solo. Uh, he should be back next week when we do our big final podcast right before the trade deadline. But for now, just a short episode, quick updates. Going to tackle as many topics as I can, but let's just dive right in. As I mentioned just a few seconds ago, trade deadline officially a week away. The Marlins enter Tuesday, five and a half games out of the wild card race and are basically staying status quo with where they've been for the last month. Just hovering on the outside of the periphery of the playoff picture, just in close enough to that final NL wild card spot to say we have a chance to be in it, but far enough out where one slip up basically says, yeah, there's really no true path for them to get there. So it's one run away, one fall away, and they haven't done either. Uh, since they got back from the All-Star break, they dropped their ser- their opener against Texas Rangers 8-0, took two of three against Pittsburgh Pirates, and then dropped their season their series opener against Cincinnati Reds on Monday. But even with that, at 45 and 51, again, six games under 500, five and a half out of the wild card race. Marlins manager Don Mattingly flat out said five games on Monday, five games out, that's nothing. But when you look at a lot of the things that are working against the Marlins right now, five games is still five and a half, five games now, five and a half games. That still seems like it's a very steep climb, especially with where things are going. And to start with that, let's just look very quickly at Monday night. 11-2 loss to the Reds. The Marlins took an early 1-0 lead on an Avisel Garcia single that scored Nick Fortes. And then things just fell out from there. And it really starts with yet another rough outing from Trevor Rogers. Only went three and two-thirds innings, six runs allowed, three runs in the third, three runs in the fourth. Outing cap by a brand jury three-run home run on a middle-middle changeup that went to left field. And it's just more of the same in what's been a very trying season for Trevor as he tried to follow up that runner-up finish for National League Rookie of the Year a season ago. He's 19 starts into a season, and this was the fourth time that he failed to complete at least four innings. ZRA is now up to 5.85. Opponents are hitting 283 against him. His walks, hits per innings, pitch rate is 1.6. His walk rate is over 10%, 41 walks out of 400 batters faced. And it just, you could tell that the work getting put in and the results not showing are starting to get to Trevor. They've been, he's been affected by it throughout the season. Don't get me wrong, but. It was different post-game Monday. When we went into the clubhouse after talking with Mattingly, he was just sitting alone, looking straight into his locker, just trying not to break down. He fought back tears when we when we talked with him for about six and a half minutes post-game. Myself, Jessica Blaylock with Bally Sports, and Christina DiNicola from MLB.com. And he was being introspective. He gave some very insightful thoughts on what's how the struggles have been impacting him mentally and knowing that he's not living up to the standards that the team has for him and that he has for himself he came into the season expecting to be one of the big three 
Pablo, Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, Trevor Rogers were supposed to carry this rotation. Sandy certainly lived up to those expectations. Pablo Lopez had some, some scuffles in June, but for the most part, he's handled himself. Trevor knows that he hasn't. And one of the most telling quotes from my point of view was when Trevor said on Monday, quote, I've proven to everybody that I belong here. But then again, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, maybe you weren't as good. You have to deal with that constantly. I'm constantly telling myself, okay, you're getting your butt handed to you, but you are good enough. It's frustrating considering what happened last year, but that was last year and this year is this year. I'm not doing that at all right now. I look at it as I know I can do it. I've just got to get back to that point. And it's a fair analysis. And it's also part of that balancing act that the Marlins have right now. They need him to stay upbeat as possible and making whatever adjustments he needs to make and figuring that out. But they also need results. If they're in that playoff race, they need him to be the Trevor Rogers that he was last year every fifth game, or they need to figure out what they're going to do with him. But at the same time, if you send him to the minors to work on everything down there, who are you bringing up? There's no Max Meyer right now who left Saturday's game with an elbow injury after throwing just 10 pitches. We're going to get into more of that a little bit later on. Jesus Lazardo and Edward Cabrera are getting close, but they're still in their, the part of their rehab assignments. The two of them are supposed, both supposed to pitch on Tuesday. Uh, actually, I believe it's Wednesday and Thursday. They're both pitching this week in AAA Jacksonville. Uh, Lazardo is up to five innings. Cabrera is up to four innings. But five innings, 75 pitches for Lazardo, that signals probably at least one more rehab start for him after this week. And then Cabrera, I would anticipate at least two more to get up to that six in the 90 pitch range. Uh, Daniel Castano is probably the only starter starter who has big league experience that is down the minor leagues that you can bring up, but you have an open spot in the rotation Thursday because of Max Meyer's absence until Lazardo and Cabrera come back and they actually have a surplus of options. Rogers is staying in this rotation because the Marlins really don't have the choice unless they want to just bring somebody else in and think that somebody with zero MLB experience is going to immediately become better than whatever problems that Trevor Rogers is bringing in. It's a delicate balancing act and it's going to have to be addressed at some point. And who knows what happens and how much this impacts what's going to eventually end up happening on August 2nd when the trade deadline kicks in. And since I touched on it with Max Meyer, another issue that really needs to be addressed, team's latest rash of injuries. Uh, we'll start with Max. Uh, threw, faced three batters in his second career MLB start on Sunday. Uh, after, as he started his at-bat against Cabrian Hayes of the Pittsburgh Pirates, who ended up walking on four pitches, Max said he felt discomfort in his elbow. As soon as he walked Hayes, he signaled to the dugout and went, yeah, I'm done. And when a pitcher does that, you know something's wrong. Uh, Marlins have only diagnosed it as a right elbow sprain. They're still doing testing and getting imaging, but an injury like that, the way that Max Meyer left the game, doesn't bode well for what's going to happen for him this season. And a reminder, this is his second time with an elbow injury this year. He had the right ulnar nerve irritation back in earlier this season that made him miss a month in the minors. So no word yet on if it's relate if the two injuries are related or if they're separate, 
but two injuries to the same elbow for a pitcher, not good. But he's just one of many injury problems that have happened for this team so far. Jazz Chisholm Jr., who's been on the IL since the end of June, he's on until now, until early September at the earliest after a CT scan result uh, showed a stress fracture in his lower back, which, again, not having that spark plug in the offense for an offense that went through so many doldrums, went through that 37-inning streak of not scoring runs, that hurts. John Birdie's out with a groin injury. Jorge Soler's out with back spasms. Brian Anderson re-injured that left shoulder that he injured twice last season on Saturday. Garrett Cooper might be risk, might be missing time after being hit by a pitch on his right wrist Saturday. Uh, you look at the pitching depth, Cabrera and Lazardo, as we mentioned. Uh, on the reliever side, Cody Poteet's likely out for the rest of the year. The update we got on Monday was that he was feeling numbness and tingling in his neck, shoulder, and elbow. That's very concerning. Very concerning. Anthony Bender is working his way back to rehab assignments. I think he's on his fourth or fifth one going into this week, so he's probably close. Cole Solcer and Jimmy Yacobonis are about to start rehab stints. It's a lot going on. I wish I had answers as to why so many of these are piling up. And for full disclosure, I've requested interviews with Marlins athletic training staff basically every day since Friday, since this road trip through Pittsburgh and Cincinnati started. And as of the time of this recording, I haven't been able to talk with anybody. If those interviews happen, I will be, I will have a story on the Miami Herald website. We'll provide as much information as I can. We'll provide whatever explanation they can give about injuries and especially injuries for players that are basically are repetitive injuries that have happened multiple times or injuries that every, that seems like a lot of times the Marlins have thought injuries would have been were short term or look like the bright side the day after. And then have lingered and ended up being longer since, which has been the case with a lot of these guys who are currently on the IL. So once I have all that information, I will have a story and you will be able to at least hear from people who can explain it probably a lot better than me what's going on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And on one truly true bright side from this week, despite all of the staying afloat, hovering around 500 again, J.J. Blay, the Marlins called up their 2019 first-round pick on Saturday, and it's only been three games, but he's been steady to this point. Uh, first game, made his debut on Saturday after the Brian Anderson injury forced Luke Williams to go from left field to third base. J.J. Blay entered the game in left field, played three innings defensively, drew a full count walk against Pirates closer David Bednar and just showed some quiet confidence right from the start. Sunday, he started in center field, batted fifth, went two for four with an infield single, a double, a stolen base, and a run scored. And the other two outs were ground outs. One of those two ground outs hard hit. And then on Monday, 
had another double, uh, showed some savviness on the base paths when a few pitches went into the dirt, got the third, scored on a wild pitch. It was either a wild pitch or a pass ball. I forgot. I think they changed the scoring on that twice. But anyway, he scored on the ball that ended up going into the dirt and going to the backstop. And so overall, three for eight, two doubles, a stolen base, a walk, two runs scored, just two strikeouts. He's making contact. He's creating good, good ABs. And the Marlins like that, yes, batting average is low in AAA, but he finds ways to be competitive almost every time that he's at the plate. You've seen that so far through three games. Yes, small sample size. We'll see what happens as it expands over these final two and a half months of the season. But And also, he's playing very well in center field, which is another very good selling point. It gives them a guy who looks like he can truly play the position and bring the bat that comes with it in the lineup. I personally like what I've seen to this point. Curious to see how he handles the big leagues as the bats and the reps increase and opponents are game planning for him. It's going to be fun to watch, and it's good to start seeing these players that are supposed to be the future starting to get up here. Uh, it's looking like, depending on what happens with Garrett Cooper, Lewin Diaz has been with the Marlins on the taxi squads since Sunday. If the Cooper injury ends up being an IL, an IL stint, which they're going to have to make that decision either Tuesday or Wednesday because of the fact you can only retroactive a IL stint three days. So if they do it Tuesday or Wednesday, they'll still be able to make it so that Cooper misses the minimum amount of time if it ends up being a minimum. But Lewin Diaz is here and potentially going to get some time at first base. They called up Max Meyer. Obviously, the injury derailed that, but they were showing that they're going to give the kids a chance. Uh, you got Gerard Encarnacion in AAA. You got Peyton Burdick in AAA, who potentially could get call-ups, depending on what they do at the deadline. There are a lot of pieces, a lot of these young pieces that are looking like are, they're, they're looking like they're going to have chances sooner than later. And it's good to start seeing those chances coming. And to quickly round out this episode, just a few other quick hit notables that may not have an impact on the season as a whole, but to see the moments that get to happen over the course of 162 game season, they're just fun to see. I'm going to start out with a guy who I personally was happy to see, Jeff Brigham. He was on the taxi squad starting with Pirate Series. Ends up getting called, getting his contract selected Sunday because of the injuries to Max Meyer and also Tommy Nance was a groin injury. Forgot him in the hubble-baloo of all the injury updates. But Marlins bullpen was completely taxed after the Saturday game when Max Meyer left. Game goes into extra innings. Jeff Brigham, who two days shy of two years since his last outing in the big leagues, comes into the 10th inning has a two-run lead, gets the save. You see the emotions on his face. Pretty sure he blurted an expletive or two on the mound after he got the final out. And just his journey to get back. He had what was originally diagnosed as a bicep strain and then really turned out to be a dead nerve in his bicep in 2020 that sidelined him for, I think he, I remember him saying he didn't get to face live hitters for 19 months. Doctors told him, from what he said close to a dozen times that quote baseball is probably not going to be it. We're going to work hard, but there's a chance that it doesn't happen. And for him to go from what he was before, he was pretty decent 
reliever for the Marlins in 2019. Looked like he had a chance to potentially be a middle innings uh, setup setup type guy before everything happened to him in 2020 and 2021 to finally gain the chance to come back and get the full circle moment was good. It was emotional. You could tell what it meant to him. And it was a good moment to experience. And just a reminder of what can happen when you step back from the playoff race, the wondering what the Marlins are doing with the lineup every single day, why they're not calling up player X, player Y, player Z. And to see what these individual moments mean in the, in the moment, in the, in the moment outside of everything else that's going on with the season. And another guy that's sort that's basically in the same boat as Jeff Brigham was Huascar Brazaban, a 32 year old reliever before the Marlins signed him to a, a minor league deal this past off season. Before that, he hadn't been in a, with an, he hadn't been affiliated with a, an organization that's with a minor league team since 2017. He had a four-year hiatus where he's playing in Venezuelan Winter League, the Mexican Winter League, the Dominican Winter League, two cents in the Independent Atlantic League. 32 years old, has a really strong showing in AAA, and again, because of happenstance with the two injuries, gets called up with the bullpen being the way it was. Remember, on Saturday, Tanner Scott threw two innings, Richard Blyer threw two innings. Dylan Flora pitched back-to-back days. Zach Pop pitched one in the third innings. They ended up needing this guy, Huascar Brazaban, to pitch the seventh inning with a one-run lead. He gets a scoreless inning, works around the two-out single, and another one of those journeyman-type careers leading to, even if this that was his only moment, a memory that he's going to remember and a moment that was able to help the Marlins salvage their series in Pittsburgh. And for what it's worth, the one inning that, I, that we got to see from him looked pretty darn good. He has a sinker that touches 98, a changeup that showed some swing and miss potential, working on a slider. And when you have a guy who is hungry for it, who had been striving for this journey and was basically told by a lot of people close to him during that four-year stretch that he wasn't affiliated baseball, maybe that maybe he should hang it up, and then he gets there. That gives a lot of confidence and can draw a little bit of energy for for the group. So we'll see what happens with Brazaban, and then just some other quick minor league updates. Khalil Watson's back. He joined the Marlins FCL, their rookie level Florida Complex League affiliate on Friday. Played in games Friday, Saturday. I didn't check to see what happened on Monday. Friday, 0 for 2 with two strikeouts. Saturday, 2 for 2 with a double, a home run, two walks, two ribbies, and three runs scored. A few other guys to highlight. Nassim Nunez, so far in July. Again, this is the guy who's been known for his, for his love. Hitting 320, a 528 on, 8%, on base percentage, and a 908 OPS in the month of July with high A Beloit. Drawn 22 walks compared to 16 strikeouts, and he's also a perfect 16 for 16 on stolen bases so far this month, and stolen 46 bases overall this season. Infielder Giddy Capay got promoted single A Jupiter after hitting 310 with seven doubles and six home runs over 29 games with the FCL affiliate, and through three games in Jupiter, Capay is six for 11 at the plate. And right-hander Zach McCampbell, we talk about Yuri Perez a lot in Double A. Zach McCampbell, these last three starts. 
Five earned runs over 17 and two-thirds innings, eight hits, six walks, 21 Ks. He had one outing where he had six no-hit innings, but still gave up a run. Had another that was six and a third, that six and a third or six and two-thirds where he held them to one or two runs. He's been getting steadier this year. And I remember when we talked with him during the lockout, when he said there are a lot of outings where he focused on the production and the progression, especially with some of his lesser pitches. And now you're starting to see all that come together and, and get the results as well. So it's another guy, positive stuff, another piece of minor league pitching depth that's going to help the organization long-term, whether it's a guy who ends up with the Marlins up in the big leagues or like they've done in the past, like they did with Zach Thompson, like they did with Kyle Nicholas, like they've done with a few of their other guys, and they use them the package as part of trades. You can never have enough starting pitching. That's always a key target. It's always a premium at the trade deadline. And having strong pitching, having bullpen options that you can give away, those are all positives. Those are all pieces that could work in the Marlins' favor come a week from today. And with that, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Fish Bites. Thanks so much again for tuning in. I'm Jordan McPherson. Next week, Andre Fernandez and I will do our big breakdown right before the trade deadline and probably have a lot to talk about at that point. Uh, Thanks so much, everyone. Be back again next week.